We are uh, studying the book of Matthew, going through one verse at a time, longest series I've ever done in my life, but uh, we're having a good time with it. Um, we're in the eighth chapter of Matthew. We just had read the story of the centurion, Roman centurion, who had come to Jesus. His servant was sick, and he comes to Jesus, and he says, you know, I'm really concerned about him. And Jesus said, well, would you like me to come and heal him? And that's when he makes that incredible statement. He says, look, I'm not worthy for you to come into my house. Besides, you don't need to come into my house. All you got to do is say the word and it'll happen. And Jesus was stunned at the response. And he looked at everybody else around him. He says, I have not found anyone with that kind of faith in all of Israel. And here's a Roman soldier, not even a Jew himself. But this guy understood, as we talked about last week, that really experiencing God is not based on the physical presence of Jesus. Now, a lot of people think, oh, gee, if Jesus was just standing right here physically, you know, I, then he'd really answer my prayers. No, there's no difference between, between him being here physically where you can touch him or him being where he is right now. In the spirit, there is no difference because when he speaks, stuff happens. And the centurion understood that. And he understood about the power of God and the word of God. That's why we, we were encouraging you. Get the word of God in you. Study the scriptures. Read the Bible. Bibles do you no good sitting at home unread. You cannot get this through osmosis. You have to actually read it. So anyway, so he gets done with that. And then verse 14. When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. Peter's mother-in-law. Wow. Now to some people that's a little bit shocking because a lot of people have been taught that the apostles were all celibate and stuff. That is not true. Uh, some were, some were not. Um, that teaching didn't even really come into Christianity until hundreds of years later. Even the Catholic Church, by their own admission. Um, the early popes and stuff all were married and had wives. And this, this went on for hundreds of years until eventually they thought it was inconsistent that you could possibly serve God and be married at the same time. And the Apostle Paul basically taught it. They based it on the teachings of Paul... Uh, who said, look, if you will stay single, you can spend more of your energy serving God. So it wasn't a a bad teaching, it's just that that's what they finally locked into. And everybody always assumed that all these guys were that way. That's not true. Even Paul, who taught this, admitted that many of the apostles had wives. We don't know a whole lot about what was going on here. Um, Was his wife still around? How was that all working? Had she died? I mean, this is back, you know, 2,000 years ago. People would die of bad coughs, you know, just who knows. We don't know. We have no idea. At times it's a little frustrating because you want to know the inside story, you know, the behind the scenes story of, ooh, what were these people, you know, like American Idol, before the singer comes out, you get to hear their story, you know, in the background and and stuff like that. And uh, we don't know the story, but it's consistent because this is about Jesus. It's not about these guys in the background. As strong roles as they played, it was all focused on Jesus. So there's a lot of behind the scenes stories that we don't know. know, I don't know if I told you guys, but about a month ago I got called by CBS to uh, be on a show with Jeff Prost, who uh, does, uh, you know, he hosts Survivor and stuff, so he's got a daytime show, and he said, we want you to be a guest on the show, and I thought, <laughs> okay, you know, because uh, you talk about men being men and stuff like that, I said, yeah, I'd love, so, uh, so but, but what's your story, and, 
and uh, so I start telling them stories that I got. And he said, no, 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 what's your story? And she kept asking, I don't want you to talk. She wanted to know what my story was. You know, did I have some dramatic thing in my past? You know, was I an axe murderer who eventually, you know, became a Christian or something? Or was I some horrible thing? You know, I get that question all the time. We're doing a marriage thing. People, one of the first questions I always get when I'm interviewed is, so you do these things in, on marriage? Yes. So were you and your wife, you know, were you on the verge of divorce at one time? And I, no, we, we, we kind of like each other. You know, so yeah, everybody's always looking for some dramatic. Woo-hoo. So I got done. I thought, what? I don't have a story. I'm sort of normal. <laughs> My story is this is what you get. But, so they so they didn't have me come because they didn't have a story. I, I should have strangled one of you guys to death or something, and then I'd have a story. You know, so. they're lost. I'd have had fun on that show. <laughs> so who knows what the story? We don't know. But anyway. Here they are, and as he goes in, he's got this mother-in-law, and she's sick with a fever. Jesus, in verse 15, says he touched her hand, and the fever leaves. And she gets up and begins to wait on him. Uh, well, when evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. All these people who were tormented, sick, whatever the situation, would come to Jesus, and he would heal them. And this is something that was just, it's the one thing that makes Christianity different than every other religion in the world, in this sense. Because it wasn't just with Jesus, the disciples did this in the first centuries. Is that when you really come to God in faith, he shows up. And he will do things in your life. He will heal you, he will answer your prayers. This is a real deal. This isn't just pie in the sky after you die kind of deal. All hoping, you know, oh, I hope we make it, we hope we make it kind of thinking. It's not what it's about. We get to really know God and God shows up. That's the message of Christianity. And then he says in verse 17, this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. And then he quotes out of the Old Testament, written hundreds of years earlier, uh, talking about the Messiah that he took... Uh, up our infirmities and bore our diseases. One of the things that we'll see with Matthew as we go through this is that Matthew is constantly reminding them of all these prophecies that Jesus fulfilled when he was in the earth. The statistical probability of one man fulfilling all these prophecies spoken hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years earlier is virtually impossible. Jesus was in fact the fulfillment of these prophecies. He was the Christ, the son of the living God. And that's what Matthew is constantly pointing out. Okay? Alright. So then we get to verse 18. And uh, really the core of today's message, two things I want to point out to you. Uh, Number one, it says, when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Basically, he wanted to get away from the crowds because there's so many people showing up. Wherever he'd go and do all these miracles, you can imagine, it's extremely popular. Uh, And then people were already keying in. They'd heard the Sermon on the Mount. They'd seen what Jesus did, the miracles. They want to follow him. This is kind of the hip thing to do. Uh, And then a teacher of the law comes to him and says, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. What is he talking about? He's talking to this guy specifically, that uh, this is a tough life I lead, okay? This is not easy. There's not a lot of comfort here. And obviously, see, Jesus knew people. The one thing that, as we read through this, you'll see, it'll say Jesus knew their thoughts. He knew what he was thinking. I mean, it's just amazing uh, having that kind of insight. So when he's dealing with people, he oftentimes would speak specifically to them about things. Now here's a guy who, when he starts coming, oh, I want to follow you, Jesus knew the guy. He was kind of a guy who just, you know, he liked a life of comfort. And he really hadn't counted the cost. You know, there's a lot of people who don't like to rough it. I am one of those people. My idea of camping is the top floor of the Hilton. And uh, 
You know, so this guy, he hadn't counted the cost, and Jesus turned around, and basically, it's kind of a stern answer. Well, I want to follow you. Look, this is tough. This is tough. We got no, no comforts here. What did the guy do? It doesn't say. For all we knew, he probably turned around and walked away. I don't know. The next one, we have another one. Another disciple comes to him and says, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus told him, follow me. Let the dead bury their own dead. Now, as you read uh, you know, commentaries and theologians and stuff, it's, it's stunning to me as I was reading this, studying for this. How many people go through great lengths to explain away what Jesus said here? He couldn't have possibly been this mean, is what they're thinking. Uh, what he meant was, let the spiritually dead bury their spiritually dead. Or uh, what it meant was, well, the guy is saying, well, you know, my dad's going to eventually die. And i got to wait for him to die first before, and get fears before I come. And they got us all this kind of stuff. Uh, I don't know. Truth is, they don't either. I tend to think that Jesus meant exactly what he said. I think he was that short and to the point with this man. You know. Let me, I got to bury my dad. Let, let the dead bury their own dead. He said, well, well, Jesus wouldn't say anything that mean. Yeah, he would. He said all kinds of things that were really, really strong. And one of the reasons I think these theologians struggle with this is they think that all these things apply to everybody then, so they have to put it in context. It doesn't. There was one time, we'll see, one guy comes to Jesus, I want to follow you, and Jesus looks at him, and the Bible says he loved the guy. He loved him. He said, you know what you got to do? You got to go sell everything you own and come and follow me. And the guy turned away. Because Jesus knew the guy. He was in love with his stuff. You know, now that's not a standard for everybody. Otherwise it would have been put into Christian orthodoxy. Before you can become a Christian, you have to believe, you have to be baptized, and then you have to sell everything you own and then come to church. My guess is our churches would be a lot smaller. <laughs> Although some of you would have. I would. I'd sell it. If that's what it took, sell it all. But that's not what it takes. That's not what he asked for. He did for that guy. So that's the context I think they're missing. Who knows what this guy's deal was? Some people have a very unhealthy attachment to family. Anybody ever see that? You know, they're still connected to the umbilical cord. 45-year-old man still more concerned about what mama thinks than everybody else in their life. Hello, dude, cut the cord. Now, doesn't mean you're supposed to be disrespectful. You should honor your father and mother. The Bible says that. And when he said that, he wasn't talking to children. We often think that was a command for children. Obey your parents, you know. Yes, please obey your parents. But uh, he was talking to adults. Honor your father and mother. That means you need to respect and honor your parents. Psycho though they may be. Somebody say amen. amen. And, I, and I'm telling you, we, well, some of us got, dee, 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 you know. You know, now it's my turn to torment my kids. You know, they probably think I'm crazy. I keep telling Ross, you know. I can't wait till I get really, really, really old and move in with him. <laughs> I'm looking for the day when I can yell, Ross, I'm done. Ross, how you doing down there in Appleton? Oh, that's, well, actually, I hope I never have to say that, but that would be pretty funny to me. <laughs> Our parents can drive us crazy. They can push it. I get it. But still, you need to deal with them in a respectful manner. You need to honor them. That is God's command. Well, why would Jesus say something like this? Well, again, you don't know where this guy's at. My guess is here's a guy who has a very unhealthy attachment. But see, people don't understand, see, because we've created this phony Jesus today, you know, this real warm and fuzzy Jesus, you know, kind of like a puppy in a, in a, uh, a, 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 
puppy shop. <laughs> what do you call them? <laughs> Pet shop. <laughs> puppy stores. <laughs> Come to puppy stores. Today we got 50% off on puppies. But uh, a pet shop. Couldn't think of the word. Well, you know, you see this, and you go, and the little puppy's in the little window, and, ooh, 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 and you go, oh, let's buy the puppy, let's buy the puppy. You know, because the puppy just love me, please, somebody love me. Okay? A lot of people think of Jesus is. Jesus is not some puppy sending us, oh, please believe in me, Ariel, please, oh, please let me into your life, and, and I'll make things real nice for you. That is not Jesus. Jesus is the son of the living God. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. He's no puppy begging for everyone's attention. But Jesus would never say anything mean. Are you kidding? Have you been paying attention? Have you noticed how many mean things he said already? And we're just in chapter 8. You got a problem with your eye? Pluck it out. Whoa. Have a problem keeping your hands behaving themselves? Cut it off. Whoa. Well, he never upset family. What are you talking about? Man, he comes to the sons of Zebedee. The Bible said we read it early, before the Sermon on the Mount, just before that. The sons of Zebedee are in the boat with their father. Now, they're not playing badminton. They're working. Jesus walks up and says, hey, follow me. And the Bible says they immediately left the boat, they left the nets, and they left the father and took off with Jesus. My guess is this really ticked off the father. Wouldn't you think? Hey, where are you going? Dancing away. He's probably furious. Goes home. Mom says, where's the boys? Oh, no, they left. Why'd you say to them? <laughs> what? Why is it always my fault? <laughs> who, knows, who knows what she said to him? You must have said something to make them leave you, you know. He just takes off. Just takes off. We're going to read it. There's, there's a part where Jesus says, don't think I came to bring peace. Wait a minute, what about those angels? Peace on earth, goodwill to men, you know. This is what Jesus, don't think I came just to make everybody get along. Because at some point, when you decide I'm going to start honoring God and do life the right thing, you're going to tick some people off. And some of them you're going to be related to. They won't like it. They won't like it at all. They'll think you're crazy. So sometimes there will be conflict. And listen to me. I Trust me. God... Whatever you're hanging on to the tightest, God will oftentimes demand you've got to let go of it. What's the lesson there? Quit hanging on to everything tight. Keep open palms, man. It's amazing some of the stuff. People just latch on. I've got to have this. I've got to have this. i got to have this. i got to have this. And you can just tell God's wrestling in their life, trying to take it away from them. They're screaming bloody murder. Does that mean everybody's got to give it up? No, you do. That's the difference. You see what I'm saying? Not everybody has to do this. It's not against the law to go to your... Parents' funeral? For this guy, for some reason, it was. Drop it, move on, let's go. My guess is the guy walked away sad. Jesus oftentimes broke people's hearts because he knew them and the things they hung on to the tightest. Trust me, you've got to let it go. Man, I learned this early on as a Christian. I remember when I first gave my life to Jesus, I was 16 years old, dope, smoking hippie. It was hard to imagine that I would be so vile. But, uh, and I was in a rock and roll band. I loved that band. Man, I was going to be fair. Someday, people all over the world were going to know who I was. I was going to be on TV. I was going to be famous. I'm going to be a rock and roll player. And I'll never forget 
not long after I became a Christian, I don't know how that came to me. I, mean, I wasn't hearing words. All I know is somehow I knew God was saying to me, you got to get out of that band. It freaked me out. Does that mean you can't be a Christian and be in a band? No. But for me, I had to let it go. You see the difference? I had to let it because I was hanging out so tight. I was so upset. I was crying. I can't. I love the band. I'm going to be famous someday. <laughs> Finally, I called all my friends and said, okay, we're breaking up the band. They were mad at me. They were cursing at me. They mocked me. They said, you're an idiot. Someday we're all going to be famous and you're going to be a nobody. <laughs> See, sometimes God will give you back the very thing you lay down. Only bigger. Man, my dreams have been far, my little egotistical dreams have been far exceeded, I promise you. <laughs> Just because I was willing to let it go. And then all of a sudden you get it back, and now it's cool, and it's different. And now you're enjoying the very thing you had to let go. And it's like, wow, this is fun, but it's not a God to you anymore. You're not hanging on so tight. Quit hanging on to stuff so tight. Trust me, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, you will need to let go of the very thing you're hanging on to so tightly. Just let it go. All right, so that's number one. Then number two, remember they're on their way to get in the boat and these people are coming up to him. And he's basically telling them to take life seriously. Gets to the boat, verse 23, then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. They're all in this boat, they're going, taking off across the lake. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. Now this is a serious storm. Now these guys are not weekend girly man boaters like some people that I know. That would be me. You know. These guys had spent their lives on the water. Fishing. They're just fishermen. They've been on a boat a million times. They were scared for their life. This had to be a serious storm. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a small boat in a storm. It's a little freaky. I remember last year, <laughs> told you guys a story, you know. We went boating. It's a beautiful day. Zero percent chance of precipitation. Zero. Normally I'm watching the weather, you know, but I don't, I don't got to watch the weather today. Zero percent chance. That means no chance, right? There's no way it could rain today. Zero. So I'm not watching. We're out there cruising and floating around. My wife looks over and she says, what's that over there? <laughs> Some dark clouds. Oh, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't even take it seriously. It can't be a storm. Because there's zero percent chance. Ten minutes later, it's like I was on Gilligan, you know, oh, blown out to sea, freaked out willies out of us. We still joke about that. Be careful today, there's zero percent chance something could go wrong. <laughs> Boy, there's a world lesson there and there. Just about the time you think there's no chance something could go wrong. <laughs> Hang on, baby, something's going to come. So the Bible says, these waves are sweeping over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. Now, I don't know if he was really sleeping or fake sleeping. Because it's not like he's on the Lido deck, you know, on a cruise ship in the Caribbean. There's a little dinky boat. My boat's probably bigger than the boat they were in. Water splashing over the sides of water. So he's sleeping on the bottom of the boat. And he's probably water. I'm sleeping, cold water going down my back. I'm waking up. I don't know, maybe he's really tired. Anyway... He's sleeping, and the, so everything, the water's crashing. These guys are afraid for their lives. They wake him. Wake him up! Wake him up! 
They said, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And Jesus replied, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Hello. (laughs) It's a big storm. That's why we're afraid. We're going to die. There's 0% chance. (laughs) And he gets up and he rebukes the wind and the waves. All right, knock it off. All of a sudden, the disciples all go, whoa. The Bible says the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Now we're looking at the message of Jesus. What is the message of Jesus here? Is the message of Jesus that he can calm the storm in your life? No, it's not. The message of Jesus, if you'll read what he said, is why are you so afraid? The message here isn't that Jesus will calm the storms in your life. The message here is you need to learn to be calm in the middle of the storm. Quit freaking out about everything. Oh, Pastor, you don't understand. It's so horrible. It's so horrible. Just calm down. Listen, you can't get to faith when you're in a panic. Fear and freaking does not bring miracles into your life. If it did, everybody would have miracles. Because everybody's freaking out about something all the time. Remember, we just read where Jesus said, if you obey my words, it's like you're building your house on a rock. And when the winds come and the waves blow, the, the waves come and the winds blow. Whatever. Very stormy. Zero percent chance. You know, when this happens, you'll still stand. The whole message was, it's not about the size of the waves, it's about the foundation. But that's not the way you hear people talk. They're always describing the wave. Oh, I'm falling apart. Why? Because the wave is so big, and it was massive, it was bigger than I thought, it was water (laughs) everywhere. It's not about the wave. If you're freaking and you're struggling today, I know you think it's because of that wave. It's not about the wave, it's about the foundation that you're standing on. Because when you've got the right foundation, you can be calm in the midst of the storm. Learn to trust God. Get a sense of purpose. Who you are. What God is doing in your life. Well, I don't know why, why I'm here. When I'm supposed to... Well, then find out. Get intentional in your faith. Come to church. Not just once every other month, whether you need it or not. Good Lord, if y'all showered as often as you went to church, y'all, somebody's really reek. Come on. Be consistent. You gotta be into you're yelling at me. No, I'm not mean to yell at you. I'm just saying a challenge. You can't get to a successful life by accident. Let me say that to these people over here. You can't get to a successful life by accident. Alright, they're awake over here. Y'all sleep over here. I don't know about you people over there. You get it on purpose. You do it on purpose. Get a sense of, of purpose in your life. Get involved in the, some of these Bible studies, the life groups and things. You do it on purpose. Get involved in the church. You'll start to get a sense of who you are and what God wants you to do with your life. And when you get a sense of what God wants to do in your life, you aren't afraid of the storms because you know this is not my time. Jesus wasn't freaking out in the midst of this horrible storm. He had a mission. There's no way he's going to the bottom of that lake. That's why he could sleep. 
knowing who he was. Listen, some people, they live their entire life afraid. They're afraid to do anything. Some of you, I love you dearly, but you just got way too much fear in your life. You're afraid to go on a trip because you're afraid. You're afraid to get an airplane because you're afraid. You're afraid to get on a boat with someone like me? I'm justified there. <laughs> but you're afraid, you're afraid of everything. I'm just going to be safe. There is no safe. Do you know 15 people die every day on average in America because of a car? Not because they're in the car, but they're outside the car and a car ran them over. Do you know that? Do you know thousands of people die every year in America? More casualties than in 10 years in the war on terror from our soldiers die because they're hit by cars on the side of the road. Makes some of you real nervous going for a walk this afternoon. But you should pay attention. There are crazy people driving out there. On average, there's 75 people a year, a day who die in hospitals because of a mistake somebody made. You're in the hospital! Now you're dead! Oops. So, well, I'm afraid. Everything scares me. I'm just going to stay in the house and, and hide in the basement. Do you know how many people die of radon poisoning from their basements? <laughs> There's no place you can hide. You can't even hide in the basement. Stop freaking out. Be smart. Watch people as they're driving by you. And, you know, and double check what they're giving you at the hospital. So all that stuff. Be smart, but don't live in fear. Learn to be calm. And sometimes when you're not calm, I remember when there's been times, you know, in our lives, we've gone through real trials. Some of you have seen them. We've had people getting mad at us because we're not freaking out. Doctors yelling at us. You know, your wife's got cancer. We're sitting there smiling at them. I told you, your wife has cancer. I don't think you're taking this seriously enough. No, we get it. Dead. We had family members, friends, yell at us. You two aren't taking this seriously enough. What? Because it's healthier to freak? Ah! Well, that's much better. Our oh, people are crazy. We're trusting God. We're having faith. Well, what if you die having faith? You want to die having faith? You want to die not having faith? This is your plan? Quit freaking out about everything. Trust God. You will find he has the ability to say, shh, anytime he likes. The message here is don't be afraid in the storm. So number one, whatever you're hanging on to so tightly, learn to let it go. He will tell you to lay it down. And number two, learn to be calm in the storm. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love and care for us. For your divine purpose in our lives. Thank you for your blessings Lord. We pray this morning that this message will have great impact on those listening. Not just in our church but all over uh, Wisconsin watching on television and around the world on the internet. Lord I know a lot of people are struggling so much in life because they won't let go. You want to bless them but they just refuse to let go. Whatever it is they think well there's nothing wrong with it but yet. The Holy Spirit is asking them, lay it down because they're hanging on so tight. Lord, help us to realize as your disciples, we need to let it all go.
And Father, in the midst of our storms, help us not to be overwhelmed by the size of the waves and understand it's not about the waves. It's about the foundation in you. Help us to realize that and to learn to be calm in the midst of the storm. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Bless you.